0: Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron and this is the podcast where we take a group of films and eliminate all but three. Today I'm joined by Tara. Hello Tara.
1: What's up guys?
0: I have my list and my red pen ready because today we're discussing serial killer movies.
1: Now there might be one or two of these where they're technically spree killers.
0: Yeah there there is a bit of a cheat on here. We definitely have at least one movie that is it's not really about serial killers, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it anyway because I want to. It's my show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to keep that it's in mind. It's close enough.
0: It's close but- enough.
1: I'm going to keep that in mind next time we discuss, you know, what movies to have on the list. And you're like, well, we should keep this one, but definitely not this one. This from the guy who threw a fit about me saying we should include AI on the abandoned and unwanted children list.
0: I didn't want to talk about AI. That's why. I don't like AI.
1: Because they're committing genocide against a bunch of robots. Uh,
0: It's not genocide if they're not real.
1: But they are real. Oh,
0: they're not. That's
1: the whole point. They're physically there.
0: They're robots. That's like, if I I kill a bunch of blenders, I'm not going to feel bad about it.
1: Do blenders talk to you?
0: Siri talks to me. Did you ever see the movie Her? With, oh, uh, God, that
1: was disturbing as oh, hell, wasn't it? It's so good, though. You ask that, and, I mean, that's just the normal thing we are these days. We do love our phones, but I don't think in that way, at least I don't.
0: Uh, the films we'll be discussing today are The Silence of the Lambs, Manhunter, Red Dragon, Hannibal, Seven, American Psycho, Natural Born Killers, Zodiac, Monster, and Copycat. Now, there are four of the five Hannibal Lecter movies on here. The one that's not on here is Hannibal Rising because it's awful. It's terrible. It's not really a serial killer movie. It's been mostly forgotten. I don't know if anyone really likes it or talks about it. It never comes up anymore. Hannibal Rising is not a good movie. It's a prequel about what made Hannibal Lecter a serial killer. I just don't care.
1: And it's even said in the book and the movie of Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter himself says, nothing happened to me. I happened. Hannibal Rising, I don't remember if Thomas Harris was told by his publisher, hey, if you don't write this, somebody else will, but...
0: I feel like that might have been the case. I don't know who owns what as far as rights. Yeah. But also, too, money. If I was the creator of this franchise, of course I would write another book.
1: Oh, Especially if the threat of somebody <laughs> else writing it and possibly destroying what world you've built up is there. Hannibal Rising even as the book is just horrible and kind of goes out of its way to make Hannibal as a character this almost godlike child. And none of this makes any sense or helps the story at all.
0: It's the definition of I just really don't care. It's funny how I said we're not talking about it and now we're talking about it. So we're not talking about Hannibal Rising. The
1: (laughs) only thing you need to know about Hannibal Rising is when Hannibal was a child, his family died, his sister and he survived for a little bit and she was chopped up by war deserters and fed to the prisoners.
0: Well, I don't I don't need that explanation and, and kind of like Prometheus because Prometheus has to come up every fifth episode that we record. I don't need to know where the aliens come from. What makes things scary is the unknown, just like in Jaws. It's so effective because you barely see the shark. Alien is very effective because it's this impossible threat and I don't need to know where that threat came from.
1: None of that matters to the us as the audience watching Hannibal in Silence of the Lambs
0: right I don't need a reason for him to be the way he is I am perfectly fine with him being brilliant and doing this because he wants to like what's wrong with that what's wrong with I'm doing this because I want to
1: and that's precisely what it explains in the book Silence of the Lambs and even Hannibal he doesn't do this because of what happened with his sister or what happened with his family he does it because this is what he is
0: and I've read all of the books except for Hannibal Rising I just had no interest, so I never read it. I saw the movie and decided I'm definitely never going to read it.
1: Maybe we should, should we hold on to Silence of the Lambs no, and no, no, all their we're, books and then and the movies and then work on the other list first? Or are we talking about these guys first?
0: Let's just go and talk about Hannibal. Let's get all of these Hannibal stories out of the well, way. Should and we
1: start with the earliest one and not the last one in the series?
0: No, I'm starting with Silence.
1: That's not the first one in the series.
0: So I said no. Okay. I'm starting with silence.
1: <laughs> I'm saying start with the first one that, no. that started with Hannibal Lecter before no. Anthony Hopkins. Why?
0: Because. I'll tell you in a second. Look. Okay. okay. For, oh, hang me. on a second. For those that are confused by this back and forth, there is a Hannibal Lecter movie that came out in 1986. So there is a movie before The Silence of the Lambs. In fact, it's Manhunter. We're talking about Manhunter. It came out in 86. It performed so poorly that I believe the story is that Dino De Laurentiis, the producer, sold the sequel rights for a dollar.
1: That's how bad Manhunter did?
0: Yeah, Manhunter did not perform well. And obviously, The Silence of the Lambs was a huge hit. It won Best Picture. It's one of only, I think, four movies to ever win the big five at the Oscars. It won Picture, Actor, Actress, Screenplay, and Director. It happened one night, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I think. So maybe it was only the, the third movie to ever do that. It was very successful. And also, too, it came out in February of that year of 91, The Silence of the Lambs did. Historically, movies that win at the Oscars come out in November, December. I think the statistic is like 75% or more of Oscar-winning films come out in the last two months of the year because our memories are short. And so no one remembers what came out in June, much less February. It won Best Picture a full year after it had come out, which is crazy.
1: Had any movie done that before Um, I don't know.
0: None come to mind except a couple years later, Aaron Brockovich was nominated for Best Picture. And that was like a February or March release as well. But I think that one only stayed in the conversation because this is the one where Julia Roberts is finally going to win. And so that might be what sort of kept the momentum going. And also Steven Soderbergh, who directed Aaron Brockovich, also directed Traffic. And so he was nominated for Best Director twice in the same year. At the Oscars, when they read the five nominees for Best Director, two of them were Steven Soderbergh for two separate films. But either way, back to Manhunter and The Silence of the Lambs. So
1: Manhunter came out and did so horribly that the dude that made it sold the sequel rights to a dollar. How dumb did he feel when Silence did this?
0: There were lawsuits. Really? <laughs> it, it all worked out. It's fine. But yes. I th- don't
1: blame him. That had to like, really hurt to see Silence of the Lambs still be talked about, what, like 40 years later? is one of the greatest movies of all time.
0: It hasn't been 40 years. 1991, it's been 31 years. Uh, and actually, too, if you've seen Red Dragon, Red Dragon is a remake of Manhunter. It's, it's very cyclical. But I do want to talk about the Silence of the Lambs first, because I made a joke to Tara before we recorded that instead of choosing all but three, it's really about choosing the Silence of the Lambs and two other movies. Because the Silence of the Lambs, in my opinion, is one of the best films ever made. I'm I not. I'm said not we even. Should,
1: we should take it off the list because both of us know it's going. to be, But we have you to know. talk
0: about it eventually. I've excluded That's it true. from some other lists before. I'm not even going to put that qualifier of one of my favorite movies. It is one of my favorite movies. But I'm also going to say it's one of the best ever made. I think this is a top 10 American classic.
1: I have to agree with you on that. There's only one part in Silence, which I'm sure you'll get into, a deleted scene, like maybe a minute or two that would have clarified so much. But this movie otherwise is, I mean, it's almost flawless. It's great.
0: I disagree with the deleted scene stuff, and, and that can apply to just about any movies. I don't care for extended cuts, director's cuts. Usually, most of the time, scenes are cut for a reason. Unless we're talking about 45 seconds of gore from like Scream or a Jason movie, most of the time, it's just a marketing gimmick. So I want to enjoy and remember the movie that came out in theaters. The extended unrated version of RoboCop is the one that's widely available now. Unless you're going to go back and buy an old DVD, really, good luck finding the R-rated RoboCop. But the difference between the two is just 20 seconds of gore. In those instances, yeah, sure, I fully appreciate the uncut version, but generally, uh, you know, asterisk, you know, not all-encompassing, but generally extended or director's cuts are just putting in a bunch of crap that was cut for a reason and doesn't need to be there.
1: The only scene I'm talking about, I'm sure there might be other ones, but there's a 90-second scene where it's got the director of the FBI discussing, you know, the case file with mm-hmm. this doctor. I can't tell you about my patient. I can tell you he is not transgender. He's not transsexual. So there's something not right in Buffalo Bill's head.
0: Right. And but
1: we don't see that because that scene was entirely cut, and instead it becomes, oh, here's this dude who's killing women for his their skins. He's a transgendered person. This is what they're all like.
0: Okay, let's let's just dive right into that then, I guess. That there, there scene are, have
1: clarified so No, but much. it's in the movie.
0: So the controversy around the film is, or was at least for a few years, maybe still currently, maybe some people still think this, but that the movie is another example of a late 80s, early 90s homophobia or transphobia where the guy who wears women's clothing is a serial killer. The dialogue is there in the existing film, never mind the deleted scene. Hannibal Lecter, you know, granted, these dialogue scenes go very quickly. You really have to be paying attention to what Hannibal Lecter is saying.
1: And it is Hannibal Lecter, so we also know he's going to tell the truth, but it might not be the full truth. It's what he wants to well, tell you.
0: Hannibal Lecter says straight up that Buffalo Bill is not a transsexual. And the mainstream works in great generic swooshes where good versus bad good versus bad and and again this is a generalization so it's not you know it's not 100 percent. it's a generalization but the mainstream public when they go see a movie they don't often like complicated emotions why would a good guy do this why did he do that because human emotion is complicated in the silence of the lambs most people probably just walked away seeing a cross-dresser killer hannibal lecter explains that buffalo bill is trying to, that he's trying to change. We're not specifically saying gender. This is how he deals with his trauma. He has tried other things. It's explained, they give some of Buffalo Bill's backstory, but he is just grasping at something to change to, to escape his trauma, just to not be himself because of what he's been through. And right now he's trying to change into a woman. But it's not transgender in the way that it is accepted or understood nowadays. There's a reason in the film they say that he has applied for the surgery and been denied at least what like twice. He's-
1: it sounds better coming from a doctor who's not currently locked up right in right, an right, right. asylum for cannibalizing people. We just have Hannibal Lecter's take on it.
0: Yeah, Buffalo Bill doesn't think he's a woman. He's just trying to not be himself. He's just trying to change to escape his trauma, and that might be you know semantics to some. There was some controversy. There weren't protests like like when Basic Instinct came out. There were people picketing because yeah. how dare you make a bisexual a killer?
1: There's been a lot of homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, all of these different phobias. And so, like you said, when the mainstream media or mainstream people see something like Silence of the Lambs and walk away thinking, okay, that dude who has maybe a little bit of a lisp or that dude who likes to wear like women's shirts or paints his nails, I have to be careful because that guy's going to try and capture me and skin me. Yeah. So in the case of, what was it, Basic Instinct you were talking about? Basic Instinct, yeah,
0: yeah, because she's bi in that.
1: So people automatically jump to, well, I got to be really careful around these kinds of people because they're dangerous. Right. Not everything is Ed Wood in terms of people are just going to accept whatever you are or do.
0: Ed Wood is such a good movie. That's why I brought it up. I know. It's so good though. Silence of the Lambs though is great. There is a lot of discourse out there about the Silence of the Lambs being embraced by people because of how it portrays trauma and how it portrays people dealing with identity and hopefully people can see the positive in it now and it was never really hugely hated basic instinct had a way more negative reaction in the public than silence ever did it's not like revenge of the nerds
1: oh god oh god
0: but nobody nobody complained about revenge of the nerds for a good you know 25 plus years it's only been the last few years where everyone has suddenly realized like oh my god
1: (laughs) yeah this is i can't believe we thought this was funny but i will say Silence of the Lambs, you do notice with Buffalo Bill, you see in the movie when he's got Catherine Martin down in the pit, and he's, you know, the, the famous lines of, it puts the lotion in the basket, it puts the lotion on its skin, it, not she. Right. It is material, it is a thing. He's trying to dissociate from Catherine, but you still see, and this is just how great the actor is. Little flickers on his face and his eyes like when she's crying for her mom. And he you starts see, crying. Yeah, he starts crying and like starts screaming like, put the lotion in the basket because he can't see her as a person. And when she starts screaming because she sees the bloody pit, he starts screaming and it sounds like he might be mocking her. But he also might be trying to maybe sympathy cry or trying to make his voice similar yeah. to hers.
0: And he does a weird thing too when he starts you know, screaming as if he's mocking her. He does the thing where he like pinches a shirt and pulls it out in front of him. <laughs> yes. I've never quite been able to figure out exactly why. I don't know. It might just be a quirky thing, but it's it's a very strange movement.
1: He's a very strange character, but it makes total sense because he doesn't – how do they put this nicely? He's not kidnapping these women because he wants to. He wants their skin. The fact that he has to torture them in a pit to make the skins looser to harvest
0: mm-hmm.
1: was a side effect. He didn't actually enjoy yeah, that but, part. But,
0: but let me. But let's just clarify though. Like they're still murderers. Oh, right? they're still once you bring real Jeffrey life Dahmer. into it. No, like, they're still murderers. It's funny how we have we haven't really talked about Hannibal or Clarice like at all so far. <laughs> well, the movie is
1: you know it's about her trying to find Buffalo Bill and Hannibal. You know, Doctor Lecter knows who this guy is. Probably knows where he is, or at least a, a vague area. Mm-hmm. But he's doing what he does to keep himself amused.
0: Let's go and talk about the other cast, though, because Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster both won Oscars for it, and they're They're fantastic.
1: Oh, God, Um, amazing.
0: A lot of people made a bit of a deal out of Hannibal Lecter, or out of Anthony Hopkins, not being in the movie that much, but still winning Best Actor.
1: But he he steals the show.
0: He's only on screen for like 16 minutes. But the thing is, if you count the scenes he's in where the camera is pointing at Clarice, he's in the movie for like 32 minutes. So he's in a little over a quarter of the movie.
1: Every little thing that happens happens because he gives her a little information or says one or two lines that sets off the next entire part.
0: I do agree that if the movie came out today, he would be nominated for supporting. But I'm not going to disagree with the best actor because best actor... There's no there's no requirement of time if he is the best performance in the film why would it be in supporting necessarily like the best performance is the best performance right
1: Precisely and Anthony Hopkins similar to Jack Sparrow that is his role. Not, not as Jack Sparrow. You no, know, that's Johnny Depp. Dude, Anthony Hopkins is Jack Sparrow. That could work, though. No, Jack Sparrow is always Johnny Depp. Anthony Hopkins will always be, to me, you know, there's other movies and shows with Hannibal Lecter, but he will always be the Hannibal Lecter.
0: Yeah. Even though there was a different actor who played him. We'll get to that.
1: But um. there have been several actors who have played him, but in my mind, and I think in most people's minds, he is Hannibal Lecter, just like Disney could cast someone new to be Jack Sparrow.
0: Going with that Jack Sparrow analogy, though, just like Johnny Depp in later sequels where the character becomes obnoxious and awful, yeah. Hannibal Lecter becomes sort of campy and cartoony as well. But we'll touch on that in the sequels.
1: And silence, he is...
0: So creepy.
1: Ama- and he never blinks when he's on screen. Every single word he says is short, to the point, mm-hmm. but everything he says, you have to watch the movie again to catch all the little bits. I did not see this in theaters when it was out cuz I was oh, a kid. I, did. I, I know I, mean, oh, I was know a, you I was did. a kid
0: too, but I still saw yeah, it. Yeah, I know
1: you did, but here's two things I want to mention. My mom tried to get me to watch this movie when I was a teenager, but my mom, bless her heart, doesn't have the best way to entice you to watch a movie. Let's just throw out this one movie, Changeling with Angelina Jolie, right? Mm-hmm. I did not want to watch that because she said it's about this lady in like the 30s who's trying to find her missing son.
0: Well, here's the problem with that example though. The Changeling was directed by Clint Eastwood who makes boring movies.
1: But here's the thing, if my mom had said it's about a woman in the 30s who's trying to find her son. There's a serial killer involved, and the police bring back the wrong boy. Now I'm interested because now there's a bunch of different things. The serial killer, missing kid, wrong kid comes back. Now I'm interested. Silence of the Lambs. I saw bits and pieces enough, and I said, okay, I don't care about this dude in the cell. I don't care about this stupid well, you're woman a, who's- Well, you
0: were a kid. I mean, I was 11 when it came out. So Actually, no, I was 10 when it came out. Oh, my God. I My, my sister saw it first. I remember being in the kitchen- And we were getting ready to go. I was going to go to see the movie with my mom and my friend. We were going to go see it. And my sister tells my mom about the Buffalo Bill scene where he does the tuck and the dancing. And she was saying that as kind of like a warning to my mother about the content because (laughs) she was about to take me to this movie. And my mom kind of turns to me and and says, if you laugh, I'm never taking you to the movies. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, because I was 10. Like, of course, I wouldn't wouldn't even know how to explain that scene. At the Oscars the next year, I remember being torn between Beauty and the Beast and The Silence of the Lambs because I liked both of them so much. I was a weird kid, all right?
1: Yeah, anyways. was. So, Silence of the Lambs, I'm a teenager. My mom's trying to get me to watch it. And all I see are these little bits and pieces. And it looks like a boring cop show. Again, I wasn't watching the good parts or understanding the story. That's a big deal. So, all I asked her was, okay, I see the dog. Tell me what happens to the dog. My mom smiles and says, the cannibal eats him. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. I don't care about this movie. I don't care about anything. Not realizing she was being you know, facetious about it. I that's watched- not facetious. That's yeah. lying. <laughs> Precisely. That's just lying. I read the book. I watched the movie by myself. And I realize this is a great, amazing story. I wouldn't have understood it as a kid. As a teenager, I would have loved this if it was presented in the right way. If my mom had just said hey. Oh,
0: by other people, you mean. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but that was my start of Silence of the Lambs. Watching it, reading it, seeing all those little nuances. And watching the stuff that just blows your mind away, like the the special effects on this, where he escapes. Well that's just let's so talk about cool. that
0: real quick though, because every time a movie is successful, there are a whole bunch of copycats. Like when Scream came out, the horror genre
1: exploded exploded. It
0: came back and all of a sudden slasher movies are back. When Independence Day comes out, all of a sudden there are a whole bunch of disaster movies like Deep Impact, Armageddon. We had disaster movies in the 70s and then they – oversaturation, they died out. Because by the time you have like Earthquake with Charlton Heston, nobody cares. (laughs) And then it comes around again. And so when The Silence of the Lambs came out, all of a sudden you have a bunch of copycat movies about serial killers and cops, even like Jeff Goldblum and Alicia Silverstone in Hideaway, you have... Oh,
1: God, I remember that movie. Yeah,
0: Hideaway. It was based on a Dean Koontz book, right?
1: Girl from Clueless, dude from Jurassic Park, this can't fail, and then watching the going like... There were a lot of
0: bad ones. But speaking of that scene where Hannibal escapes, though, yeah, it's gory, and he does the thing where he wears the guy's face, and he, and he um, makes wings out of the, the skin on the guy's back. Those moments are actually pretty few and far between, kind of like when, this always comes up, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction was known to be super violent. And if you watch it, there's not a lot of violence in it, but there are a few scenes where somebody gets shot or whatnot, and it comes off mostly realistic. And I think that realism lends itself to the idea of brutality, and so people come away like, oh, this movie's so violent, and it's just that those moments are so significant. And so when The Silence of the Lambs has that scene where he does these gross, horrible things, you remember those moments, but there aren't a lot of them in the movie. And when it became successful and you have all these copycat movies all throughout the 90s, they learned the wrong lesson. Precisely. They just became gorier and gorier. And and Seven is on this list, and that's one of the successful ones. But the artistry of The Silence of the Lambs is not what they copied. The Silence of the Lambs is filmed in a very personal way. There's a lot of close-ups, which I love. A lot of people talking directly into the camera. It gets right in your face like you're a fly on the wall sitting in the middle of this conversation like in an Ozu film. Ozu is a Japanese director mm-hmm. who was known for making movies where the camera was always low to the ground and the actors would speak almost like they're talking directly into the camera. You almost rarely saw the two people talking to each other in the same shot. It was always just looking at you, just looking at me, just looking at you, just looking at me. So you which, feel like you're part of it. So you feel like you're part of it in a very almost uncomfortable way to be honest. And The Silence of the Lambs does that. None of the copycats did that. None of the copycats. They copied mimicked, the gore. They copied, yeah, they, they copied the copy... gore and the serial killers. They didn't copy the style
1: or the story or the intensity and the different layers of well, nuance.
0: I mean, nobody sets out to make a bad movie. They tried, of course, to make you know good movies and, and intense films. But the Silence is so character-driven, and the cinematography is amazing. It's so personal. You feel like you are there. You feel like they're talking to you, like you are Clarice. You're in those shoes. And especially when it comes to the gender politics of the film, which we haven't even really got into. Like, that's how good this movie is that we have so much to go over. You see the way people look at Clarice. The camera is lower when you see her boss telling a, a local sheriff, We shouldn't talk about this in front of the female.
1: Yeah, and and you're like, ooh. and,
0: And he tells her later that, you know, I had to do that to get them out of there. You understand, right? And she tells him that what you say matters. It doesn't matter if it's to achieve a certain goal. They will remember that and they will still hang on to that. What you say matters. And you see the guys leering. They do the same shots even when it's positive. Like when she goes to visit those nerdy guys with the moths. Yep. And and one of them has, you know, the cross eye. He's asking her out. And you can tell he's kind of nervous. But when they do that, you watch the camera is actually tilted up just a little bit to where it doesn't look like he's looking down at her.
1: He's looking at her, but not because down.
0: Because he's nervous and kind. He's not leering, but he is still asking her out. He's She's still, in a sense, a, a female object, if you want to say it in the sort of rude way, I guess.
1: She has the power in this dynamic as opposed to with her boss or with the sheriffs or with almost any other a male person. A whole room of men
0: where the camera just pans across the whole room and they're all just looking at her.
1: When she's with uh, Dr. Kilton... Chilton. When she's meeting the director of the Hospital for the Insane, where <laughs> our good friend Lecter is, the director looks down at her. He's very dismissive, but also... I believe at the end of, like, their interview, he, like, asks her out. And it's not a deal of the kind of nerdy guy kind of like, hey, do you want to maybe go get He's something? slimy. He's slimy. He's rude. He looks down upon her and sees her as just, like, an upstart.
0: Someone he could take advantage of because he yes. has something he can offer.
1: Yes. And Lecter sees through her right away. But it's only when they actually start chatting after Miggs does what Miggs does. Yeah, yeah. That's when Lecter kind of drops his act. He's the only uh, dude I don't want to say he's
0: not a madman, but... He's,
1: he's, in, he's insane, but he's the only dude besides the nerdy guy that really kind of treats her as an equal.
0: Well, he doesn't like rudeness. They make a point in the film mm-hmm. that he wouldn't come after Clarice because that would be rude.
1: He will, you know, kill almost anyone else who's nasty. But thinking of the, the two cops, the one that he, you know, carves the face off of when he escapes and the one he does the big blood eagle on. They're, they're rude to him. They just say, hey, doc, come on, let's get this over with. They were going to die regardless, yeah, but I, mean, I wonder... In, in that
0: scene, I think he just wanted to escape and he would but kill them.
1: if they had at least been polite, like when he said, good evening, gentlemen, because he's very polite himself, Lecter will never stoop down.
0: I, he still would have killed them.
1: I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying it would have been a quicker death. He wouldn't have oh. taken his time bludgeoning the dude to death, clearly enjoying himself. Oh, Lecter so is a monster. I'm never saying he's not a monster, but he does it with such a style. You kind of want him to survive. You mm. want him to escape.
0: And to go back to the cinematography, just the way they film everything, it's all about perspective. Like you mentioned the bludgeoning, even that the camera is low to the ground looking up at Hannibal, almost like he's hitting the audience. But again, seriously, going back to the gore stuff, they don't show him. They don't show the body being struck. No, they, you,
1: it's just the implied and you yeah. being there as the victim. And
0: then, they, and then when they show him the cop is just laying on the ground with an arm over his face and there's a little pool of blood, that's it. It's so implied because the movie puts you in the perspective of the characters. And any other movie, you would see, like, the baton hitting the cop. You would see a tooth coming out. You'd see the blood on his face. They never show the cop actually being killed.
1: Nope, and that's part of the power of it. Other than
0: than the bite, like, he bites his face. but
1: Yeah, he bites his face, but you don't actually see, you know, a close-up of it. You don't
0: see the skin stretching. When Hannibal bites him, he brushes at the camera. His hands come Mm -hmm. towards the camera. It's so effective and it's so weird with all of the years of copycats. Nobody copied the visual style of the film.
1: But again, Hannibal Lecter is a monster. I mean, the, even the meal he gets from the cops, he makes mention that you know he wants extra rare lamb chops. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the movie and read the book, I could not get where the name came from. Because I'm like, the Silence of the Lambs has nothing to do with Buffalo Bill, has nothing to do with Hannibal Lecter. It's about Clarice's childhood. Yeah, it's growing her trauma. Up, yeah, growing farm. up on a farm. Well, she was sent to the farm. Yeah, she was sent to the farm. Because her dad died. But she's hearing the slaughter of the spring lambs. Mm -hmm. It's called that because, like you said, it's about her trauma. And she doesn't tell Lecter this traumatic story voluntarily. Yeah. No, it's a quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. She wants info from him. He wants info from her.
0: Before he kills the cops and he hands her the files that he's written in, he does the little finger caress. Yep. That's something I've never quite been able to figure out. Because if you have to take out the later books, take out the later movies, we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But why does he caress her finger? Because I know he respects her and he likes her, but I, I never got a sense of romance. Is it almost the same as Chilton making a move on her? Like, why does he caress her finger?
1: I don't know, because when Chilton does it, there's definitely the power play and Struggle. Him kind of looking down on her for what she is and seeing her as kind of this upstart. And just when he's turned down, he instantly turns cold and nasty. Right, right. And, But
0: if, if you break it down to its bare minimum, they want to have sex with her. I don't know if
1: Lecter does, though.
0: That's exactly what I'm asking. Why does he do the finger caress, though?
1: I honestly don't know. If we take, again, the sequels away, does Hannibal ever not treat her, other than the very beginning when they first meet, with respect? He does seem to respect her. He likes her. And he seems to understand that...
0: I mean, is it friendship? A friendship caress?
1: It might be. It might just be of, hey, this is my little, like, goodbye to you for now. Now please leave. This is the
0: only way I can actually touch skin with you? Yeah. In filmmaking, everything is deliberate. If they do a close-up of a finger sliding along another finger, that is inherently sexual. Like, you cannot get around that. My best guess is it was probably, like, a goodbye, my friend.
1: Their relationship growing Mm -hmm. just makes the movie so much better. He does tease her, but it's never malicious. He's always giving her, like, you're better than you think you are. I know you can do this. I already know the solution. I'm not going to give it to you. He's guiding her. He's kind of what her boss is trying to be, but her boss also has the... You know the negative side. Not that not that Hannibal well, Lecter no. doesn't. But
0: <laughs> um, oh, what what is this character's name? Because Harvey Keitel plays him in Red Dragon, and Lawrence Fishburne plays him in the show Hannibal. It was Jack something Crawford. Jack Crawford. Okay, so Crawford. Yeah, Crawford does manipulate her as well, but for an end result. And I've I've never really drawn a connection between the way he treats her and the way Hannibal treats her. But at least in the movies, yeah. Crawford is very respectful. He tells her what what he thinks she needs to know. And you Mm -hmm. can argue if that's right or not. I would say he's the boss. He can do that if he wants, whatever. But
1: so does Lecter in his way too.
0: Just to touch on the ending. It has that great, very tense sequence with the night vision goggles. And again, perspective. You're seeing it from Bill's perspective. And if he had just killed her instead of trying to like touch her hair, if he had just killed her instead of toying with her, then he would have won. or, Or at least he would have killed Clarice. But of course, he has to like sneak around and observe her and watch her. And try to touch her hair. And then, of course, she kills him. And it's very abrupt. It's a quick sequence. And There's
1: no snappy one-liner. There's no, you know, see you in hell.
0: When she shoots him, she falls against the floor and is panting and trying to reload her gun. Like yeah,
1: She's not calm and cool. Not yeah, the, the, yeah. the cop in the cop drama. Like, well, yeah, I got him.
0: Well, yeah, because in so many times in movies, like somebody you shoot once and it's like, yeah, I'm the hero. And the reality is, is like, make sure you're not in danger anymore.
1: Yeah, make sure the dude is dead <laughs> before you actually like, celebrate. Woohoo! I got him. No, yeah. make sure the threat is neutralized. Yeah,
0: and even the girl in the well isn't, oh my God, thank you for rescuing me. She's screaming. It's, she's calling her the B word and telling her, telling Clarice to get me out of here, you you know what.
1: Yeah, she, <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on either. As far as Catherine Martin's concerned, you know, someone gets into the room, the lights go out. She knows that Clarice is there. It and reacts- it adds a
0: realism to it, but so many... Uh, Because I I see reaction videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I I generally hate them because a lot of them seem false. But there are some where, you know, they'll watch a good movie. And to me, it's okay. I can watch a 25-minute version of a movie I like. And I can see someone else's joy. Sure. I've noticed that with The Silence of the Lambs, the abruptness of the ending isn't cool.
1: There's no one-liners. There's no cool. Well, never mind even that. Like,
0: it's, it's very abrupt. Like, oh, that's it? She just shot him and that was it? And I just love how it's done in a somewhat realistic way. I'm not going to really go to the mat saying that the Silence of the Lambs is realistic, but those moments feel true-ish to life, true enough to life. And to me, that makes them way scarier.
1: And Clarice, if we remember, this is her first real assignment. So she's not going to be the, you know, the John McClane kind of, yeah, I got this. I'm the hero. She's freaked out as anyone, no matter your training, would be freaked out if you're in a dark room and you know, and she's actually saw some of the guy's projects and the body in the bathtub and the, the miscellaneous oh, parts. Oh yeah.
0: And also too, I noticed on the 4k, there's a Nazi flag in Buffalo Bill's house.
1: Now I, I did see that. And, and someone may mention that with everything else going on with Buffalo Bill, I don't think he's a Nazi.
0: But that's just a weird detail. That's like a weird, like why,
1: why is that in there? But
0: because again, is on purpose in a movie. So a set decorator put that there, but, why? Why?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, seems eh, somewhat out whatever. of place with Buffalo Bill, but
0: it's the, d- it's very, distracting.
1: the very, very end where Clarice gets the phone call mm-hmm. from Lecter, and we see him zeroing in on his prey, like, I'm going to have an old friend for dinner. I'm
0: having an old friend for dinner.
1: And that's how the movie ends, and you're like, okay, we got a sequel hook, but it is so terrifying at the end, because as Clarice, you know, hey, this dude's still out there. Now, he says he might not go after me, because that would be rude. Mm-hmm. But if Clarice had been there when he killed those cops... He would have had to take care of her.
0: It's worth pointing out, too, that when the movie came out, there were only two Lecter books. The Hannibal book, so there's a book just called Hannibal, and then there's Hannibal Rising, and both of those came out afterwards. And so they're definitely influenced by the movie and the possibility and likelihood of those being turned into movies. And so that may have shaped those in possibly a negative way, kind of like how when Crichton wrote the Lost World book... It was written after the success of the Jurassic Park movie, and that and that had to have an influence. Yeah. And in fact, it does because the Lost World book is a sequel to the movie. It's not a sequel to the Jurassic Park book.
1: Yeah, because in the Jurassic Park Because there are characters book, that are still alive. Yeah, Ian that were Malcolm dead in the book. Ian yeah. Malcolm is dead. And the Hammond Lost is World. Dead. Yeah, you're like, wait a minute, the Lost Okay, so they just magically came back somehow? Yeah. Dinosaur magic? Yeah.
0: And so with Hannibal, when he wrote the Hannibal book, there was an emphasis on the relationship between Hannibal and Clarice, which arguably is a mistake and i mean if you're okay with jumping to the next movie i I think it's safe to assume we're both keeping yeah (laughs) i was gonna say we're both
1: keeping silence of the lambs because i mean yeah now we're gonna move on to the sequel
0: the movie hannibal came out in 2001 uh at the time it had the biggest opening weekend ever for an r-rated movie
1: not surprising though because i mean silence of the lambs so much
0: anticipation even
1: today People know this movie. They know the movie. They know Lecter. There's been a thousand parodies. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter is still part of the- You know the the mask. Yeah, you know the mask. You know the Buffalo Bill stuff. Hannibal Lecter is part of our cultural consciousness at this point.
0: Yeah, and so with the movie Hannibal, this is probably the hardest film to describe on this list because it's both good and bad. It's one of those movies where Hannibal's not a good movie, but there's so much to like in it. So in the in the film, Hannibal goes to Europe and is curating a museum. Somehow, even though he is a famous escaped criminal, never mind that he's in in Paris. Is it, no, Italy. Sorry, he's in Italy. He's in
1: Italy, but does and it detail how he got the plastic surgery?
0: It's still the modern age. He's still Hannibal Lecter. Don't tell me that you can get a, a a major job in a museum. Doesn't matter what country you're in. You're Hannibal Lecter. You're on the top ten most wanted list. Clarice has a successful career. and She is now played by Julianne Moore. The movie is. Like, the first two-thirds, Hannibal Lecter in Europe, and an Italian cop discovers that it's Hannibal, or at least suspects. And so the movie is kind of about that, and the cop decides to make money himself because there's a guy named Mason Verger who wants Hannibal for himself because Hannibal severely disfigured him. And they cut a whole bunch from the book, and it's fine, I'm not going to complain about that because Gary Oldman plays Verger and he's great if you like beautiful scenery, that, this is why, This is what, what where I'm torn, because how do I describe this? The movie's, it's boring, but it's beautiful. It's shot so well. I would watch a whole movie of, of Anthony Hopkins just hanging out in, in Italy, sure. But <laughs> the cop going after Hannibal is not that interesting. He's kind of corrupt, but kind of not.
1: He wants to do good, but at the same time, he's kind of fallen down on hard times in his police district. Yeah. No one respects him, and he thinks if he can sell Hannibal to Mason Verger, then He's going to get all this money and his problems will be over. The problem is, Hannibal Lecter knows he's on the want to list. He knows this dude is out there. So he's going to be prepared. And if you are a single cop and you want to do this solo, it's not going to work against Hannibal Lecter.
0: I hate to use the word sumptuous. It sounds so pretentious to say that, but it's like sumptuous. a sumptuous movie. It's so beautiful, just not interesting. Like, I don't care about really anything going on in Italy. And then it finally becomes very intense when the cop and Anthony Hopkins, or when the cop and Lecter have their final showdown. It actually gets really intense. And then Hannibal Lecter goes to the United States. in the book,
1: stalking Clarice. In the
0: book, it implies a romantic relationship between the two, and everybody hated it so much. Thankfully, it's not really touched on at all in the movie, except for one brief part. And the scenes with him going after Clarice are kind of interesting. There's a, a, a very fun dinner sequence at the end where he feeds <laughs> yeah. Ray Liotta's brain to himself, which is kind of But it's only fun. one
1: bite. This graphic, I mean, and that is the most graphic part in Hannibal or in Silence of the Lambs with him popping the dude's top of his head off, taking a piece of brain out.
0: And feeding it to himself. It, feeding
1: it to him. And then he just wheels the dude away. And like, it got a lot of
0: attention just for that yeah. part. And they did toy with the romance part where it seems like he's about to either bite Clarice or kiss her. And that's really about as far as it goes. And then doesn't he cut off his hand?
1: Yeah, at the very end, (laughs) she ends up handcuffing him to her, and he warns her it's going to hurt. He has a a butcher knife or something to chop off a hand or an axe, I forget which. And
0: he cuts off his own instead of hers.
1: Yeah. And then we pan over to her being okay, and we see him on an airplane like going off somewhere else into the Wild Blue Yonder. This is after they dealt with Mason Verger and the pigs and all the the shit that kind of goes nowhere. Oh, yeah. The Mason
0: Verger stuff is fascinating and creepy. It's not uh, it's in the movie very much. Well, do you mean the movie or the Mason Verger stuff?
1: Compared to the book, Mason Verger's just boring. He's oh. just a, a deformed dude who's laying there saying, Jesus forgives me. And really, I'm this horrible person who uses religion to disguise everything. But
0: that's barely in the movie. Like, talk about the movie, though.
1: I am talking about the movie.
0: That's barely in there. Like, he's, he's more of a, just he's, a good old-fashioned creep.
1: He's just so dull compared to what he was in the book. In the book, he's a
0: yeah, I know, but degenerate,
1: who cares? real freak, and he's dangerous.
0: Yeah, I know, but who cares? In the movie,
1: he's not dangerous. He gets the bodyguard betrayal.
0: And he gets eaten alive by pigs. Yeah. And because like, he's training pigs to eat human beings so that he can feed Hannibal to them, which is a cool James Bond villain plan. Like, I have this pit of pigs and I'm going to lower you into it.
1: The movie seemed to like try to want to take parts of the book that were good and then combine them, but cut out other parts that explained it. Well, and-, and the
0: movie was directed by Ridley Scott, who is a very successful classic director. He's one of, possibly considered one of the greats. But the thing is, is that for me, I don't love everything that he does. Sometimes I see a movie and that is directed by Ridley Scott and I really wish it wasn't. Like House of Gucci.
1: Yeah, you go, oh, well, Michael Bay might do something kind of good with House of Gucci. Yeah, and I
0: don't think Ridley Scott should have directed Hannibal. uh, But he's definitely capable. He is a very talented and capable director. But I don't know. And then again, this is going back to the very start of, of having the issue of how do I talk about Hannibal? Because I like it, but I don't. And I'm not saying like it's a good, bad movie. It's just... I want to own it and watch it, but I don't really like it. It's not bad. It's not a bad film in any way. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, okay, cool, I guess. you yeah. yeah, it's, <laughs>
1: it's an interesting idea to continue the Silence of the Lamb story, but for me, even reading the book was kind of like, okay, this reads like a fanfic, but I prefer the book to the movie, even with the romance in it.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cross off Hannibal.
1: I mean, honestly, on the list, I was like, that's the first one I want to cross off. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if Hannibal Rising was on the list, I'd probably cross off Hannibal before Hannibal Rising. So we got two more in the Hannibal Lecter saga, and they're actually the same movie.
0: So Red Dragon uh, was directed by Brett Ratner, who did the Rush Hour movies. And before he was Me too that was his attempt to do like an Oscar-y type movie, because he wanted to become legitimate after doing Chris Tucker movies. Manhunter. The the 1986 one, which starred William Peterson, who plays Grissom on CSI. So if you've seen CSI or like that show, imagine Grissom way more darker and moody and neon lit and still essentially doing the same job. That's Manhunter. It's not that far from the Grissom character, to be honest. And in the Red Dragon movie, he's played by Edward Norton. And the reason they did a remake is because there are only so many books.
1: But I will say the serial killer they have, the Tooth Fairy, the Red Dragon... Not the same level as Buffalo Bill, but that's also because we don't see Buffalo Bill so much as we mm-hmm. do the Red Dragon. The Red Dragon, we see this guy all the time.
0: Yeah, and it is about transformation yet again. Here's mm-hmm. a killer who wants to become something else. It's it's a theme, I suppose.
1: Not skinning people, though. He's just going to kill them.
0: <laughs> it's not bad. It's just kind of lifeless. The cast is great. So Edward Norton, Harvey Keitel, uh, Ray Fiennes plays the Tooth Fairy, Emily Watson... If you want to watch a Hollywood thriller, it's good. It's just if you were to compare Red Dragon to the rest of the franchise, Red Dragon is the McDonald's, which is fine. Some people like McDonald's, but it's very glossy. It's very well produced. It doesn't have any artistry or identity, though. It's let, let's remake Manhunter as shiny as possible.
1: It is shiny, but I do like the characters in it. They're not making um, what's the word here? An Oscar-worthy movie on this point. They're they not, were trying. They're, they're trying to, but yeah. I mean, you're going, like you said, everyone makes a movie to make money. You're not going to purposely make a bad movie.
0: Yeah, no, and I don't think Red Dragon is bad. There's a bit of an issue in that I've seen it already because it was already Manhunter only 16 years earlier. And then if you watch the Hannibal TV show, the third season is Red Dragon again, and we've already seen it. But if I exclude that from my mind, if I pretend mm-hmm. Manhunter doesn't exist, Red Dragon still doesn't really have much by way of artistry. There's no real sense of identity. You don't get a sense of the director or the story doing anything in any type of way that presents the material in an interesting way. It's just, it's just fine, which is a weird complaint. A, I know there's that word again. Yeah. I do like well, Ralph
1: Fiennes. He is awesome as the Red Dragon. Rafe. 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 Rafe Fiennes. Rafe. Fiennes. Rafe.
0: Fiennes. 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 Yeah.
1: Rafe Fines. is awesome as the Red Dragon. Uh, the blind woman they have playing Reba is awesome Emily in her Watson. part. Obviously, a lot of it they cut from the book because you can't have it in there. You well, I don't won't. care about the book. Stop it. But <laughs> the ending is great. I still like the stories. And I like Hannibal because Hannibal, we see him in the very beginning. This mm-hmm. is who brought Hannibal Lecter in. Yeah.
0: It's still good. Oh, and also, let's talk about the titles real quick. The book was called Red Dragon. The reason the original movie was called Manhunter is because in the 80s we had the Cold War and red meant Russian meant communist. They didn't want to put red in a title that had nothing to do with that. And so they changed it to Manhunter. And so the book was Red Dragon. The first movie is Manhunter. The remake is Red Dragon. And it's it takes place before Silence of the Lambs. Lecter is already in prison. And just like with Clarice, someone goes to Lecter for help. And in this instance, it's Will Graham is the name but of the character.
1: What? the movie starts with Will Graham actually capturing yeah no. it does it starts with him oh, going to meet no, no, dr yes. Lecter, and then saying oh yeah by the way we have these murders and like these parts of the bodies are missing and Lecter makes i, come I out, was oh, thinking yeah.
0: about manhunter but yes yeah. red dragon shows that graham goes to Lecter, the psychiatrist for yep. help he gets uh, assaulted and is traumatized will graham has significant health and mental issues from this attack but he's back on the job going back to Lecter in prison for advice again on this new serial killer called the Tooth Fairy. And this is in both versions except for Manhunter. I'm pretty sure they don't show Will Graham being injured. Lecter's already in prison. Yeah. And in Manhunter, Lecter's played by Brian Cox, who is Striker in X-Men 2. He's on that show Succession. His version in Manhunter is more subdued. And this is what I mentioned, uh, I teased earlier when kind of like with Jack Sparrow, by the time you get to the third Anthony Hopkins movie, Lecter is kind of campy.
1: Now, the third one would be... There's
0: Red Dragon. That's the third time that Hopkins played him. He's a little campy. He's gone full Jack Sparrow. There's no menace anymore. Like, if you put the two performances from Silence and Red Dragon side by side, Red Dragon is so... I don't want to say cartoony, but it's just not the same character anymore.
1: But he is still really dangerous because we see him maneuvering throughout the story, giving the Tooth Fairy information despite being in prison, being able to maneuver around things with the story. And set up the dude who put him away to lose his family, to lose his life, to pretty much sick the the Red Dragon on him. Yeah. Not as smooth and as sweet as Silence of the Lambs, but still better than Hannibal.
0: Here's the problem. The problem that Red Dragon faces, though, is that there is already a movie of Red Dragon that's better. If you don't know Manhunter, then you can watch Red Dragon and probably be perfectly happy with it. Even on its own, though, even in, in its own little bubble, there's, I hate to go back to the word style again. But there's nothing interesting about the way it's made. The it's characters. It's not
1: *Silence of the Lambs*. No, but neither is *Manhunter*.
0: Red Dragon, though, like the way maybe it's the way the actors are directed. There's nothing about its presentation that's interesting in any way. You watch a Tarantino movie, you watch a Tim Burton movie, you watch *Silence of the Lambs*. Mm-hmm. You can film movies in a way that gives the film a visual identity. Red Dragon has nothing going on.
1: So let's be clear: if Tarantino had directed Red Dragon, it would have been lots of close-ups of the dragon's feet.
0: Oh, I get that. I get that reference. Um, But on its own, again, like, it's fine. Like, Red Dragon is not a bad movie. It has a great cast. It has a great story that was previously proven to already work. And sure, you know, watch it. Whatever. I just don't care. We've seen so
1: many remakes where it doesn't work. Right. Where it's just a rehash and it's boring.
0: Well, actually, I'm glad you said that. It's so much exactly the same. I don't like remakes where, unless it's been 60 years and the original was in black and white or something, (laughs) I, I don't like remakes that are so exactly the same. You watch Departed, it is way different from Infernal Affairs yeah, and they're yeah. both great. It's an extreme example but the psycho remake, why remake something so exactly the same? And Red Dragon is is so similar to Manhunter. Not just story, but even just the scenes, the cutting, the order of events, like maybe they're both just copying from the same book. Kind of like actually True Grit. True Grit with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon is great. It's so good. But it is so much the exact same as the yeah. original movie, just with modern sensibilities. Like, they were able to increase the violence and the editing and the style. The camera work and the visuals were different. And of course, kind of like with Red Dragon, just a great cast. And so that's that's a bit of a hindrance, though. When you make a movie, when you do a remake, that's so much the same. And so for Red Dragon, I'm like, yeah, I've seen this and I like Manhunter more, so why bother?
1: See, I didn't see Manhunter until after I saw Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. years later. Also, I've seen Will Grissom in CSI, so that was kind of ruined <laughs> as well. It was kind of hard to see this guy as dealing with an actual serial killer that isn't going to be wrapped up in 60 minutes. But Manhunter,
0: though, is so 80s. It has a neon look to it. The soundtrack it is fantastic. It doesn't
1: fit with and the and silence, though. The, like I said, the, the neon, the 80s feel to
0: right, it. Right, but it, it was first, though. Silent, you can't say it doesn't go with silence when silence is the one that came after. Like, it's the one yeah. that changed. Manhunter- was made by Michael Mann, which, you know, that's not confusing. Yeah. Michael Manhunter. Yeah. <laughs> but Michael Mann did collateral. He did heat. He did mm-hmm. thief with James Caan. So if you've seen thief, oh my God, that it's Manhunter is very similar with the long, slow shots, the very dramatic readings of the lines Grissom <laughs> talking, Will Graham <laughs> talking to himself. You get a better sense of a psychological break in his character than you do when Edward Norton plays him. Edward Norton comes off like a victim, which is fine. Which he is, but yeah. But with Manhunter, you get a sense that something is off with Will Graham. Not to the point where you're suspicious of him, because there's no reason to be. It's just you can tell that this dude has been through something. Mm-hmm. And just with the music and the 80s feel of it, really just the weakest part is Hannibal Lecter, but he's not the main character. They beefed him up in Red Dragon, yeah. but he's just a barely their supporting character that causes the Tooth Fairy to have access to Will Graham's family. I just love that feel so much, and maybe, I think maybe being a CSI fan, it makes revisiting Manhunter so much easier for me. That 80s feel and the the moodiness, oh man, could come off as boring for some, because, you know, again, Red Dragon is more Hollywood, it's more McDonald's, but Manhunter, man, yeah, style. It didn't do
1: it for me, man. I'm sorry, I know you love it, but as soon as I saw the list, I was like, Manhunter, he's probably going to want this one because it's, you know... One of those movies, but, and and I can't even say that it's an important movie. It did come first. It's the reason we got Silence of the Lambs.
0: If you are under a certain age and you haven't seen these movies, Manhunter might be boring. Mm -hmm. Because it has a very specific style. style. Sure, dated style, maybe, but it has a very particular style.
1: Hey, you said Shrek was dated. I'm going to keep throwing that in your face.
0: It is dated. Look at the jokes and the animation. Oh my God.
1: We're not talking animation, okay?
0: It might be boring to some people. I get that. That's fine. Whatever. I'm keeping it for now, but it may not survive, because there's a lot of good movies on here.
1: Yeah, the movies we haven't talked about, I think we're on like an hour in, and Silence of the Lambs, we could probably do an entire episode just on Silence of the Lambs. If this
0: is long enough, I might have to cut it in half.
1: For now, I'm going to hold on to Red Dragon, it'll probably fall off pretty what? early.
0: Why would you even hold on okay. to that?
1: I'm holding on to we it We still now. have
0: seven American Psycho, Natural Born Killers, Monster, Copycat, and Zodiac, and you're hanging on to Red Dragon for I'm now? I'm
1: hanging on to Red Dragon, and I'm going to break your heart and say, Manhunter can...
0: Go away. Oh, no, it's fine. I'm not going to I'm not gonna freak out about that. I get it. Like, it's not going to be for everybody. And you have an exact copy, dude. <laughs> yes. Alternative. You have an alternative that's the exact same.
1: I have a multiverse version that I like better.
0: All right, everyone. So we wrapped up the Hannibal Lecter movies, minus Hannibal Rising, because it's terrible and we don't need to talk about it. We still have six movies on our list of serial killer movies, and we will be back next week with part two of this episode. See you then.